Guess what? What? I have solved the world's energy crisis. No, again? You've solved it again? Yes. Oh my god. It's time it's gonna take. Oh, what is it? What are you doing? I have developed a suit. We've had suits for a long time. No, this suit yeah? can actually absorb all the static electricity around me. Oh my and goodness. it builds up in the suit and allows me to siphon that energy off to power stuff. You mean your motion can be translated directly into electrical energy? Yes. You're going to change the world! I know. I dreamt it. You dreamt it? I dreamt the idea. Oh my god, we always lose our dreams. We always lose our... You wrote this down, didn't I you? I thought of this. Right. I recorded the information on magnetic media. On which mag- this, this one here? This one here! Son of a bitch! Great one and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better! Welcome to episode 9 of Smart Enough to Know Better. 9.0, Dan. 9.0. 9.0. That's like 16 we've done, which is crazy. The math doesn't seem to work, but it does work out. Because <laughs> we have 0.5s and 0.1s and 0.7s and 0.3s. And, ah! It seems like a long time since Fresh. we last did one. Yeah, it does, actually. It was big, too. We got John Birmingham on last time. Right, so, and had a massive spike. That's right, and, and the great thing about a spike is that it ends... Just as spiky as it begins. <laughs> That's right. Hey, you wouldn't want it to. We wouldn't want to have a long tail. That would be awful. No. I wouldn't. Wouldn't want to retain people. No. That would just make us feel weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had some lovely feedback about that episode. People love listening to us ramble on in front of John Birmingham. <laughs> you, know, you know the best one I heard. The one I laughed at the, on, on John Birmingham's actual website. What's that? The word that was used. Insipid. Insipid? <laughs> we were called insipid. Oh, I don't remember reading that. I laughed. I heard chaotic. Okay, well, that's fine. And also, I heard the word maelstrom bandied around. No, that's okay, and I can deal with those ones. I laughed at insipid, because insipid means no personality. No, like, we're not funny, and we're not clever, but by God, we have personality. Oodles and oodles! Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, we are personalities. That's all we have. That's all we, that's all we have. We have no actual training or skills. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And someone said that we were their favourite podcast. Oh, Isn't we, that sweet? It's very nice. Uh, we, should, we probably shouldn't just crap on about how great we are at the start of our no, podcast. No, 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 no. No, well, we've been doing that up to this point. <laughs> now, other people are crapping on about how yes! great we are. That's called working smarter, not harder. That's right. And we're smart enough to work harder? No. What? No. no. Hard enough to work smarter. Yes. Yeah, we're hard enough we're to... We're that hard. That's, I'm well hard. I'm a well hard podcaster. Hard people don't have to work smarter. They're it's, hard enough. They just... What? Speaking of people who seem to like us, the people over at Hypothetically Speaking... <gasps> yes, they've mentioned us a few times. Yes. Well, actually, they've mentioned you. They mentioned me quite a bit. <sighs> Have you actually listened to one of their... Yes, events? I listen oh. to the ones... I, I do listen to it. I listen to it because you told me to listen to it, but yeah. I now listen to it. Okay. I, it's now one I do listen to. It's quite good. It, uh, it's quite good. I, Damned I, with faith praise! I, I was drawn to it because we did a hypothetical in our very first episode yes. about zero-point energy. Yes. And I've got a whole list of other hypothetical things. And <gasps> I saw this podcast and went, this sounds right up my alley. And then I listened to it and went... I wonder if we should keep doing hypotheticals and just steal some of the formula from them. Ah, brilliant. Yeah. You probably shouldn't have made contact with them and said, hey, we're probably going to steal some of your formula. Uh, that makes it legal, right? Yes, that's exactly how plagiarism works. If you run to the house and scream, I'm going to plagiarise you, or just whisper it, whisper it at their front gate, I'm going to plagiarise you, that's by law. That's, that's legal. That's how I get my, most of my girlfriends, as I go and whisper <laughs> in the dark. Oh, oh dear. Oh, it's, oh, Really? 
what, two minutes in and we're already... Wow. Well, uh, I can edit it down. That's a, <laughs> 30 seconds. Bam! Uh, no, but it's a good podcast. It's fun. Uh, what I like is I think they're similar to us, as in two people chatting and disagreeing with each other, which I really like as well, hearing their, their friendship. So I that, like that too, that's the, the way di- they disagree with each other. Uh, exactly. I We're in so. the same mind. <laughs> See, unlike them, they seem to be friends, though. They seem to like each other and, and get on, which is I think is a really interesting dynamic. One, I'd like to work with someone Let's in that Let's steal way. that too. We're going to steal that one too. <laughs> And have to start speaking in their wonderful American accents. I think they're sort of New York. No. Speaking of American <gasps> accents, yes, we started that competition last month mm. to get people to send us audio of, of you them tr- speaking in an Australian trying, accent, trying to do your best Australian accent or your best worst Australian accent. Yes, and also saying Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. None of you have sent any in, but we think we know why. We think we know why. People don't want to be shown up to be idiots on an internationally famous podcast. Not by personalities. No, not by personalities, who sometimes are considered their favourite podcasts. <laughs> so, uh, one person. <laughs> one person. That's, that's a start. That's, it goes up exponentially from there. So what we're going to do, we're going to change the competition. This is a competition where you can win fabulous prizes, which we haven't worked out yet. Uh, but we will. Now, so what you have to do is send in... <laughs> urine in a jar or something. Fabulous personality bits. What you do is to send in a recording of your best slash worst Australian accent saying, Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. And then just say it normally as well, and we we can put you at the start of the podcast. Yep. But what we're going to do to equalise this playing field, ooh, equalising playing fields, we will, what we've decided to do, we will, you just tell us where you come from. So let's say you're from New Jersey. See, that's my New Jersey. Yeah, 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 New Jersey, New Jersey, yeah, see? Then we will do our best slash worst accent from that place. Yes. So we will look like bigger doofuses than you. We're going to do the entire segment in your accent. Until you cry. And that's not going to be making fun of you and your country mates at all. Well, we're doing it very badly because we are quite, well, I'm especially, Dan's pretty good at accents. I am atrocious. I admit, I, that was New Jersey. It's probably as far, far as I can go. Forget about it. I don't even know what that is, but I know it's, <laughs> it's, it's generically mafia, I think. Forget about it. Uh. It's generically something. Yes. It's, it's awful. Uh, but that's the thing. So, so don't feel we will look worse than you on our podcast. You will look fabulous and you'll win fabulous prizes. I, I don't want to think of it as us looking worse than you. I want to think of it more as we're all looking so- and sounding great together. <laughs> oh, Dan, you're such a little. Blue ba- blue ba- Blu-ray of happiness? Blu-ray HD of happiness. You are <laughs> the HD of happiness, Dan. Well, it was my New Year's resolution. Oh! I, I wanted to bring up something that happened to me, which I thought was interesting. Maybe, maybe think about scepticism and, and what people think about and, and, and belief. Uh, I, was, I was coming home from the city, walking up. I sort of live in an inner city suburb, and... I was walking back from the city with my iPod in, but listening to a podcast. And not my own podcast, so that would be weird. I was listening to a podcast. So I was kind Were of you obli- the person who's smart enough to better is the favourite podcast? Yes, it was me. It was me all the time. Uh, so I was listening to this, this podcast. So I'm basically oblivious to the world around me. Beyond that kind of don't get run over by trucks kind of yes. part of my monkey brain that switches on, suddenly there's a man in front of me blocking my way and waving and smiling. And I instantly know what's going on because these happen in most metropolitan centres. They're holding a clipboard... And, and they want money, basically. Yes. You, you can tell. They want money. But I've always, unless I'm actually in a big, big rush to get somewhere, I stop. I, I don't know. I just feel... You want to waste their time. I want to waste their time. They're no, going to no. waste other people's time. No. You want to waste theirs. No. So you say, they go, I've got all this money in no. my pocket. <laughs> no. 
all this money, I got nothing to do. Hello, what's this clipboard on about, sir? Damn. And then I... you stand for there for twenty minutes, jerking their chain and getting no, them excited. No, no. And you're like, wait a second, I'm massively selfish. Well, good day to you, sir. No. Oh, ma'am. Not at all. Not at all. I, I always point out very early in the conversation, I'm, I'm quite poor and I have no money, which at the moment is very, very true. I don't waste the time. But this person seemed so happy, and he was actually quite shocked that I stopped. And I pulled my, my headphones out of my ears, and, and he's like, hello, I'm having a bit of a chat. It's, it was for Greenpeace. It was a good cause. Ah, those guys. But I, I told them, I said, look, I'm very sorry. I don't have any money at the moment. I can't give you any money. I haven't got a job. I'm in between jobs at the moment. And he said, oh, well, that's fine. Sign up, because... In two weeks' time, you're going to have a job, and then we can just take the money out of your account, which I thought was a wonderful, wonderful uh, Scam. Uh, sales pitch. Scam sales pitch. He was so personable. I'm like, look, no, I really, really can't, but thank you very much anyway. And he went, well, all you have to do is pray, and I'm sure the Lord God will, will give you what you need. You'll have a job, and you'll be able to pay for all this, and you'll be able to help the animals with Greenpeace. Yeah. And I looked at him, because when people say that, when, when, normally people I know who say that, they're saying it ironically. Yeah, it's, normally, <laughs> it's, normally, it's normally said cynically or ironically. He was perfectly, perfectly honest. Yeah. Like, he was totally and utterly, if you talk to God and ask for it, you're going to get a job within two weeks. Now, I don't believe that at all. No. Like, that's, that's nothing I do believe in. You a, are a, quite unemployable. I am quite <laughs> unemployable. And God does hate me. Uh, he sent me a letter. I, I asked him for a recommendation and he went, there's no way in hell that you're going to get a recommendation from me. So, And then a little bit at the bottom that said, P.S. The hell thing was a joke. Yes, yes. Get it? Yeah. Get it? Because I'm God. Because he's not subtle at all. That no, guy. no, God's, God's quite... No. I, I, but this gentleman really believed it. And for a moment, part of my brain went, oh, make a comment, make a statement. And I went, then I went, really? Is that where I've reached the stage where I have to walk down the street and if someone has a different belief to me and seems to be quite happy in that belief, I feel the urge to go, you're wrong! <laughs> So I didn't. I, I just sort of went, oh, that's, that's a nice sentiment. Thank you very much. I appreciate that you think that I'm going to get a job. And he went, oh, that's fine. And then we, we had a, and he said to me as I left, I think we talked for like another 30 seconds about yeah. what a nice day it is kind of thing. And he took me by the hand, shook me by the hand and said, hey, thanks for stopping. You're the nicest person I've talked to all day. Yeah. And I went, oh, okay. Wow, you've had a really bad day. And, <laughs> and, and walked off. And, I went, and the part of me went... Was that wrong? Was that right? Do I should I should I battle Greenpeace religious people on the streets? I just didn't feel like it. I just didn't didn't think it would solve anything. He was a man saying, "Have a nice day." To be really at the end of the day, he was just saying, "I hope the best for you." So what you're saying is that you're a coward. <laughs> I, I like I like to say that I'm a nice person, but coward. I suppose if you want to say that, if you want to say I'm a coward. What heroes are nice? That's my question. That's actually very true. Batman's not nice. Oh no. no. Superman's nice. Yeah, until he knocks, too much. Until he knocks up some chick in the last movie and then and then has a like an illegitimate son or something. <gasps> yeah, then he just spoilers, by the way. Oops, it was an awful movie. Don't worry about it. Yeah, no, uh, he was a good Superman, but I, I like the bit where he lifted progressively heavier things. Yes, yes. Uh, you've been listening to Geeks on. Fuck. <laughs> I, in fact, I, I only listened to it about ten minutes ago. That's why I remember it. Balls. <laughs> I'm not talented enough by myself. I keep riding the coattails of other podcasts. <laughs> and that's why I keep stealing them in the dark. It's not long for me now, Father. Will I be going to heaven? If your soul is clean of sin, you'll pass through the gates and sit by the side of the Lord himself. If it's not, it's eternal damnation for you. I feel the end is coming, Father. Is my soul clean? None of us are without sin, my child. We all have sinful thoughts. Lust. Greed. Wrath. 
but I'll administer the last rites, and you'll be redeemed in the eyes of the Lord, and you can enter the house of God. Hurry. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And in Jesus' name absolve the sins, and in Jesus' name deliver us from temptation, for we submit to the power of you, O Lord. Amen. So it's done? You are cleansed of all your sins. Thank you for... Oh, excuse me. I didn't realize you were still here, Father. Not to worry. I'm just finished now. Wait! I'll come back. Uh, you need to do me, um... Again. What do you mean, son? Oh, sorry, I, but I've always had this thing for nurses, and when she came in... Well, <laughs> I thought some pretty sinful thoughts. <laughs> ah, I see. Sorry. <laughs> we are all fallible, my child. <clears throat> Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou. Father O'Rourke. I won't be a moment, sister. Yes, Father. Blessed art thou. Actually, you'd, you'd better start again. What? The nun. She, uh... She's 84 years old. Sorry, I, I had some sinful thoughts. Sister Wendy. And they weren't in the missionary position either. Well, all right. I'll start again. I just need some fresh air. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Sorry, you'll have to start again. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. A dog! Are you some sort of pervert? What? It's like you've never been curious. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Uh, look, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll try really hard. I swear. Last time? Fine. But it better be. <clears throat> Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. And in Jesus' name absolve the sins, and in Jesus' name deliver us from temptation. For we submit to the power of you, O Lord. Amen. Oh, thank you, Father. I can feel death taking me. And you're without deadly sin? I am, Father. I've kept the sexual thoughts at bay. I'm doing it. Congratulations. Thank you, Father. I've never... I've never f felt so proud. No, don't feel afraid. Oh, God feckin' damn it! Well, unfortunately, this month we don't have an interview. But we do. What? We haven't. I, I, I have something to admit. What? I have something to. I have something to admit. I have a confession to make. What are you talking about? I um. I took the smart enough to know better comedy blimp, and I went to the Gold Coast a couple of weeks ago, and I had an interview with the um, the writer of uh, Iron Sky. You yeah, you went um, to the Gold Coast without me. Yeah, well, you know, by yourself. You slept in, and the blimp was there, and you know, so I went and interviewed the head writer Yamo Pascala from how did Iron you get Sky. That gig. But uh, how did they get that? I I pretended to be a, a real life journalist. And what's really cool is when you have cards and you dress nicely and you don't sort of slobber on people, they believe you. And also the blimp helped. You know, the, the mighty blimp blocking out the you sun. You told me that I wasn't allowed to go and cruise for chicks with that thing. Well, and then you go off and start using it for your own benefit. Uh, Yamo's a guy. Yamo's Puscala. It's a guy's name. Yeah, but, I mean, you're always a little bit ambiguous <laughs> about that sort of thing. I, am I? 
<laughs> I'm ambiguous about your ambiguity. Uh, look, the, the point here is that it's, I have a really nice interview with the, one of the writers from Iron Sky. Have you heard of Iron Sky? No. What? You haven't heard of... You call yourself a geek? You work with computers and you don't know Iron Sky? What are you talking about? Then you should listen to this interview. excited here today to be at the uh, sound studio and the, well not I suppose, the filming studio, the studio of, of Iron Sky and we have with us the man who came up with the original idea I do believe, Yaromo Puskala. Yeah, very good. Thank you very much. Actually, he's he very nice. He, he, before I put on the recording, he explained very clearly uh, how to say his name, so I'm not actually that good at it. But so, if you can tell me, as much as you can tell me, what is the movie Iron Sky about? Iron Sky is about uh, the attack of space Nazis. Oh, oh, can, you, can you say that again? The attack of the space Nazis. Oh, that's the that's the best thing in the whole wide world. You couldn't. Why why is this movie not being made already? I just don't know. Why is it taking the 2011? I'm not very sure. I don't know. We wondered that ourselves because the first first reaction when we were like, okay, how about making a film about Nazis that live on the moon? And the first reaction was, ah, but that has been done so many times already. Then we started thinking, like, uh, oh, wait, it hasn't. That's right. Yes. Yeah. It's like the song Rainbow Connection, as in, why are there so many songs about rainbows? Well, there aren't that many songs about rainbows. Yeah. It's a total lie. So there are no movies about Nazis on the moon. No, uh, there's actually one movie about a book that had Nazis on the moon, but they removed the Nazis from the film. <laughs> the best bit! Yeah. I can't believe it. Were you like lying in bed and you were hit on the head by an aeroplane engine or something and you came up with this brilliant <laughs> idea? Where did, where did it come from? Uh, it's uh, always a difficult question. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I think, you know, uh, Nazis on the moon, it's a real conspiracy theory. <laughs> uh, there are people who really believe it. Really? Yeah. And I think I probably read it in the 80s when I was a kid from some UFO book. As, okay, one of the explanations for the flying saucers is that they are Nazis from the dark side of the moon or something. <laughs> so I guess I remember that and the uh, older age started to think that, well, that would make a nice film and that would be pretty funny as well. So it's a, it's a dark comedy. Yeah. It's not like a documentary or... or and, a, and you're not trying to warn the world about Nazis from the moon? It's not like a serious movie? No, no. But some people, the conspiracy people, they... They do think that that we are trying to leak out the information that they really are Nazis. <laughs> and uh, my favorite was uh, was this one conspiracy blog that told us we're actually working for the Antichrist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're 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 programming people to fear aliens by making them Nazis. Right, I see. So uh, I don't know how that 
is connected to the Antichrist. Yeah, I have no idea. Who knows? Yeah. Let them worry about that. The Nazis come from the moon. Once again, I'm not, I'm not sure how much we can ask. I'll ask you to tell me to go away. So, and they attack. It's about, is it about Earth repelling the Nazis? Is it, is it about... Is it, like, what's the, what's the meat of it? Uh, the meat of the film, actually, is the story of one of the space Nazis, uh, Renate, who is a young woman working as a school teacher in the Ooh. Nazi moon base. I see. And uh, her life is turned completely upside down when she goes to Earth. Oh, she gets to go back, back to Earth. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. So the Nazis, have they, have they been totally separated from our culture? Like, do they know what's actually going on on Earth now, as in our culture now? Or is it, is it our culture now to start off with? Or is it a different sort of alternate reality? Well, it's... Uh, it's more or less our culture, but it's set in the year 2018, so it's a bit of an extreme version right. of, of our culture. For example, the, the uh, President of the United States looks quite familiar to anyone who's <laughs> been following the American politics, and it's not a pleasant surprise. <laughs> I was very excited. I, I don't know if I can say this, but we overheard during the press conference... Uh, so it was pointed out that one of the Earthling attack, Earth attack ships was called the George W. Bush. Uh, that's, that is inspired. I love that concept, that, that the, uh, the ship, is, ship is named after W. I just, is it, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming that's the sort of humour you're, look, you're looking at, that's sort of where you're going from? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so it's, it's not subtle, is it? It's not like a subtle, a subtle comedy of manners or anything like that. It, it depends. Uh, it, sometimes it's sub, uh, subtle and sometimes it's the complete opposite. Right. Uh, that's, oh, that's kind of how we always done it. Mm. But we have, with the comedy, we've had one guideline throughout mm. the production, and that's let's make it so serious it's funny. And George W. Bush, as the name of the spaceship, it's actually not that far fetched because they just uh, named a, a uh, airplane carrier after his father. So Really? Yeah. Oh, I, it, it's coming. I did not know that. Obviously. Yes, there will be a George W. Bush the aircraft carrier at one point. <laughs> Let's just hope it's uh, smarter than the namesake. <laughs> the uh, views of Yammer are not the views of Smart Enough to Know Better, though we actually do agree with him 100%. So and not of the production, obviously. <laughs> no, no. You got involved. A lot of, is it odd that, as the a, as a man who came up with the, with the idea, that you're still involved? A lot of time, you, in, as a total outsider, I always thought you would sell the idea and then step away. They'd give you a big fat wad of cash and then you'd move away. But you've been intrinsically linked to it. Yeah, uh, it's because we are doing this film from a, let's say, really strange starting point. Uh, we started by, in, the, in 2005, we released our uh, first film called Star Wreck, which was basically a science fiction parody mm -hmm. that was made with absolutely no budget in a basement. <laughs> and uh, it, we released it for free on the internet and it became hugely popular. Uh, one of the mo uh, most widely seen Finnish films ever. That's how we basically ended up in the business. Were you a, a filmmaker before that, or are you a person who has come into it out of interest, in, like a civilian who stepped into the industry? I'm pretty much a civilian, yes, because uh, we had been working on that film for seven years, mm -hmm. but it had always been a hobby. Uh, by, uh, I've actually studied uh, computer graphics. Right. And marketing, so... And that's what we put into it. Yeah. So we finished Star Wreck, and that was 8, eight million downloads. Yeah. It became a, a, even though it was free, people bought it anyway. Yeah. So it was a huge success. Yeah. 
and, and brilliant. I've actually seen parts of it, so it's actually quite brilliant as well. I really do enjoy it. But the uh, so then you just you came up with the idea of Iron Sky, and you what, approached people with it, or yeah, and uh, one of the basically what we did really strangely was that we went public with the idea quite early in the process, before we were in in production even. Uh, it was because everybody was asking us what we're going to do next mm-hmm. and because we knew we needed all the uh, publicity we could get. Mm-hmm. So we have been basically building a community around the film for uh, four years now. And uh, that's, that's basically how I ended up in this film. And because we started from basically such a low-budget setting, mm-hmm. we've gotten used to... Uh, working in a way that we do what we have to do mm. and we try to get along with as few people as possible so basically in 2006 when we started developing the Iron Sky idea mm. we were still cleaning the office ourselves <laughs> so I, I think I've done pretty much every every job in the production from cleaner to driver to security card and uh, so all the glamorous jobs yeah the glamour of Hollywood yeah and uh well, because with Starbuck we had been very active online, mm-hmm. so we felt that that's our strong points, and we have to carry it mm-hmm. along yes. with Iron Sky, and wanted to carry it. So that's basically how I uh, stayed on board because I was always very involved in the marketing and the community building aspect of right. the whole. Oh, okay. So yeah. So, now I, I don't want to give anyone the wrong idea. People who haven't heard of Iron Sky. This is not a small budget film, is it? Well, not in Finland. Not in Finland? Yeah. Uh, How much is what's the budget? Uh, the budget is something around 9 million Australian dollars. That's, that's a lot of money. Yeah. That's not a small budget film in my mind. Or is okay. it? I mean, is it? Is it? Oh, okay. I'm being nodded at by, by, uh, by a girl from <laughs> here. It, it, it depends on who you compare it to. Oh, well, I mean, I know, there's, I know there's multi-million dollar movies in America, but Australia doesn't have huge films and like, massive cost, do they? Obviously, we do. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> that way, again, it varies. Oh, okay. So yeah. one of the one, it's significant. Yeah, one of the films they shot at the uh, sound stage before us was a film about a shark in a uh, shopping center or something like that, <laughs> and 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 that apparently had thirty million dollar budget, oh. and and that some of the people who worked on that are working here, and apparently for them that was quite a low budget film. Still, I see. I, I'm not sure because I I'm not that familiar with the Australian film, but sure. basically, uh, but about Iron Sky, it's actually the <laughs> it's the most expensive Finnish film ever made. Wow! And I I still crack up by when I say that I can't say it with a straight face because it seems just so weird to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a f- few years ago, I was just a kid who wanted to make films and <laughs> now my film is the biggest finished film ever. <laughs> I mean, See. how that, that happened? <laughs> well, this being a science and comedy podcast, I'm interested, how much have you tried to keep to the actual actual science or how much research has been done on that sort of thing, if any? Oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> or maybe you should because uh, that's something we love. Oh. We're, we're absolute geeks. Oh. So, Good to hear. Yeah, so... Obviously, it's a film about space Nazis, mm. and uh, well, that's there, there are two things in that uh, that demand uh, uh, making reality bend a bit. That's the space Nazis bit and the film bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
anyway, uh, we want to make it as real in science point of view as possible, mm -hmm. except that only thing that goes before uh, science is what looks good on camera. But we try to find some more interesting ways to do stuff. For example, in, in our first teaser that we did for the film, we uh, see a motorcycle driving on the moon. Mm. And uh, actually they're featured in the film as well. And it's your normal Second World War German motorcycle. Which you think would need air to, to run. Yeah, but we actually... Because we got the idea, we thought that would look really cool. Mm. But then, because we're huge geeks, <laughs> we had to go and research if it would be possible. And uh, we found out that not only is it actually possible, it's not that far from uh, real plans. Uh, Germans, uh, during the World War II, actually had plans of going to the moon. Uh, part of their plans was to... Uh, bring tractors and they would be running those tractors on hydroxyl peroxide which includes oxygen in the fuel itself so uh, apparently it would be possible to run a internal combustion engine on the moon that's amazing i've never yeah. heard that before so and and actually people usually complain about that that that's stupid, that's impossible. But what's really impossible in the first teaser is that we show uh, rockets launching from the Antarctica yes. <laughs> to the moon yeah. that we see in the sky, but nobody has noticed that that's impossible. Well, yeah, it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't be, it couldn't be placed where it is. It was, it's yeah, we, we knew that we were <laughs> breaking physics at that point, but we just thought that it looked so damn good. <laughs> but also, I mean, it sets it up. People, people have to go to ironsky.net, yeah. ironsky.net, and, and look at these trailers, these teasers, they're, they're wonderful. You know, they're actually the name of the film it mm. comes from a uh, kind of a let's spend the physics or let's see what physics actually can create uh, mm. kind of discussion it was really early in the filmmaking process and we had just gathered our uh, scripting mm -hmm. and uh, it was led by Johanna Sinisalo who's a Finnish science fiction writer and also as much of a science geek as we are <laughs> uh, and well, in the beginning we were basically doing uh, brainstorming mm -hmm. and uh, we started toying with the idea of gravity. What kind of cool things could you do? And we started to think, how, what if you were on a smaller, uh, smaller celestial body, they, no, well, not really the moon, but maybe the size of Phobos or something like right, that. Really, really small. Yeah. yeah. And how about if you took a really massive spaceship? You came close enough, then basically would you get stuff uh, floating off from oh, the smaller moon yes. into the spaceship mm, okay. and we started to think about that and then we thought about well the uh, sky would be full of iron let's see iron sky <laughs> ah. and that idea was that that we actually continued discussing about the idea and ended up uh, deciding that it would probably pull that smaller piece into the Thing, so you wouldn't get any that cool effect you would have just a moon crashing into a huge spaceship. <laughs> so not cool enough. Not yeah, but the name stuck. When, you, when they're on the moon, they're shooting on the moon, well, not shooting on the moon, when you went set on the moon anyway, mm. uh, do you take into account the, the one-sixth gravity and that sort of thing, or the one-quarter gravity, roughly? For the scenes that happen outside the uh, Nazi <laughs> space fortress, yes. yes but, just uh, can you say that again? Nazi space fortress. No. Secret Nazi space force. Oh, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> well, yeah, but for the um, 
for the secret Nazi base, we decided that since they have anti-gravity for the flying saucers, uh, we also uh, can decide that they have artificial gravity, so they would be in 1G. So you thought this through, obviously, so once again, if they can, if they can lift the spaceship off the ground, they can, of course, send yeah. themselves to the ground. Yeah, that also keeps the budget down. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So when they're outside, when they're actually on the moon itself, outside the base, is it, is, does the gravity change? Yeah. And what about the rockets? You know, the shape of the, the, the Nazis' spacecraft is very traditionally... It looks like a traditional UFO. Yeah, saucer-shaped. Yeah, saucer-shaped. Is that scientifically based as well? Well, not really. Uh, Let's say it's unscientifically based. Uh, It's once again based on the conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. Because uh, there are, if you go online and search for uh, Nazi UFO, you will find uh, basic blueprints of supposed Nazi spaceships. And uh, those were the starting point of the design. And... Mm -hmm. uh, Basically, the traditional flying saucer shape, because the kind of the idea of, of the world is that okay, that explains the UFO sightings. Mm. They have been the Nazis. So they've been coming back and looking at us every so often just to see what we're doing here. Yeah, and, and obviously because they need to wear leather jackets, mm. so they have to abduct cows. <laughs> <laughs> so they're cutting Nazi uniforms out of our cows. Yeah, so I mean <laughs> that that has to be the simplest explanation it's for cattle mutilation. <laughs> Occam's razor. Yeah. That's perfect. That's that's there it is. Problem solved. It's Nazis abducting cows. Yeah. <laughs> so there is that that interaction between the Nazis and the Earth. Just that yeah, there's there's some. Let's say just it's say that. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's quite, that's quite funny. So, as this all, as time's gone on, I mean, from the initial concept to today, as there's more of these ideas come on board, and you sort of have sort of these great geek discussions, do they sort of filter into the movie? I mean, maybe not now. I'm assuming now we're a bit late to be changing things. Uh, but did you find that you'd go, oh wait, I've had a brilliant idea, and go out and change the scripts and talk to people and that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, we spent uh, something like uh, three years on the script. Mm. Uh, which is a lot. Mm. Uh, I think the more, uh, probably uh, uh, it's the most polished script in Finland ever made. <laughs> uh, Lots of firsts. Yeah, yeah, because we basically just changed and changed and changed and tried to make it better and make it mm. better and uh, then take some uh, production considerations and uh, then go through and That's do so many revisions. So in terms of harnessing that fan base, and it, it seems to me it's a way of really making the film that you want to make. Yeah. Uh, because in Hollywood it seems so many times you hear interviews about people who said, oh, it sounded good or it started good, but then this person came on this and so many changes. So by getting that community behind you, it's been able to solidify how you make the film that, that you want to make. So. Well, it's helped, uh, and it's helped us to just to make the film. Uh, we've been selling merchandise of the film for a long time, and but even when there wasn't a film, yeah, there wasn't a film, but you're selling merchandise from the film, yeah, that's awesome, and, and that's how we <laughs> paid, basically paid our rent when we were developing it uh, <laughs> before uh, before we got into production and mm. had the, all the uh, co-production companies join in and stuff like that. When yep. it was just a bunch of us who had worked in Star Wars, wow, yes. 
That's incredible. So if people, we might have to wrap this up, so for people who, who want to help, who, people who are excited, like me, about secret Nazi space fortresses and Nazis from space coming to Earth, and, and I'm assuming a lot of fighting, a lot of ass-kicking on both sides, I assume, mm-hmm. how can people help? Well, we try to make it as easy as possible. <laughs> so we have several ways on our website. If you go to ironsky.net, or just Google Iron Sky, mm-hmm. um, we have uh, merchandise, we have a sneak peek, which is a membership section where we are telling uh, more about the making of the film, more of the showing the first scene, how it's made, and uh, eventually the actual first scene <laughs> before the film is released. Wow. And uh, that's something where we basically ask people, okay, we have this membership site, we, we offer something special there. So mm-hmm. if you want to help us join, uh, it costs uh, so from one euro to as much as you want to pay. So Just you select a minimum of one euro yeah, up to as much as you want to give. Basically, yeah. Wow, that's really good. That's, and that's value, ladies and gentlemen. That's real value. Yeah, and uh, we're really, really happy to notice that it's actually the average has been seven euros. Seven euros. That's, oh, okay. that's how much people have wanted to put this. And into this film and that's actually more than a cheap DVD (laughs) so it gives hope for the future of film because people do pay for entertainment Mm, but mm. we believe that you have to give them the uh, uh, possibility to pay uh, pay in the way they want to do it Mm -hmm. not just try to sell them dear and riddled crap (laughs) so when is it coming out? Iron Sky will come out in 2012. If we don't get blown up first by the mines or whatever. Uh, yeah, well, we're aiming for the beginning of the year, so oh. we have a bit of time to enjoy our, our lives <laughs> before the end of the year. So you'll make, you'll make a massive fortune in early 2012. You build the Live Like Kings, and then December, we all get wiped out. Yeah, that's, right. that's the plan. That's the plan. Yalmo, yeah, it's been fantastic talking. Thank you very much. And we're shaking hands at the moment, so you can't see that. But anyway, um, I, the best of luck with the, the, the film. And I am very excited, and I'm sure that all our listeners will get out there and support Iron Sky as soon as it comes out. Thank you. I was very excited. No, no, no. I, I see what's happening here. Girl what? Clumsy, huh? Well, you and Girl Clumsy but, uh, took the blimp and went and interviewed a movie producer. Well, yes, but that's because she's the real journalist. You know, I said I followed a real journalist. Well, that's her. She's a real journalist. So no, I'm... no, no. You don't have to justify anything. <laughs> but it's okay. No, no, honestly, I didn't expect to get the interview. I was just there to, you know, hang, hang her on. No, and... no, no. No, that's... That's... Fine. Oh, God. I'm sure that you and Girl Clumsy will be very happy with the way that that interview turns out. I think she'll like it. I think she'll like that she actually asked some very good questions. I felt she didn't get in my way. Yes. Well, I, I noticed that she didn't step in and stop you from asking, where do you get your ideas? Oh, please. He gave good answers. He... It's in the book. Don't 
asked that question. Oh, well, I see. I didn't realize we suddenly became book interviewers. We, we have our we own... We shouldn't need the book! We're not insipid. We have our own personality. Let's not, wait, let's not have our d- domestic on camera or on whatever this is. What's on this? mic? On mic. On mic? Yes. Yeah, That's... maybe, maybe this is how you benefit from having me around. That's very true. You, you know the names of electronic devices in the room. Do I ever? <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan. I, I won't take the blimp to interview anyone interesting ever again. Damn straight you won't. No, I, no one, ever. Why are you looking shifty? No, no reason. Where were you this last weekend? I, 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 no, I went to the Adelaide Fringe Festival. I interviewed no one, except some people. Son of a bitch! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Smart Enough to Know Better Comedy Hut. Tonight we've got a first class act for you all the way from 1836. It's Samuel Morse. It's time to challenge you. Oh, God, he's angry now. now you're cha- don't challenge angry, Dan. Oh, we'll don't see about that. Don't challenge angry. Okay, we've each had a crack at four challenges each. Yeah, I know. And you've... I'm on three. Yeah, I'm on two. You're on two. Yes. In this challenge, you have the opportunity to gain a point. This is my fifth go. Or lose a point. This is my fifth go. Yes. Cra- I don't know. Once... Oh, my goodness. All right. This one is. So you actually... get to challenge me. Let's explain it to people who've only just jumped on board. You're cha- we're challenging each other. I'm each... challenging you to explain a piece of science. That's to right. Me. Month to month, we change over and we challenge each other. And what happens when one of us, when you lose? At the end of the 12 months, <laughs> the loser has to dress up in a superhero costume and go down and advocate science to the general population. That's right. Evangelize! Yes. <laughs> it's going to be fun watching you in that costume. Yes, yeah, so we'll see about that, because <laughs> if we check the points board... Yeah, I know, I know. I'm on three, and you're on two. That's two. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good prime. Then again, so's yours. Crap! Mine's a better prime. Ooh, that's a really good the better prime. Three. Yes. The better prime. Three's that could be on a shirt. That'd be nice for a shirt. Three, the better prime. Three, the better prime. We are looking for shirt ideas. We are. Yeah. Do you have something from our show that needs put on a shirt? Then tell us. <gasps> yes. We- At any rate, challenge. challenge. Go. Okay. This one might be a little bit easy. But- Thanks. So now if I fail, I look like a doofus. Yeah. And if I pass, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> no, no. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Yes, well, maybe you won't skip off down the Gold Coast next time. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Put a lock on the blimp. A lock? Yeah, like I'm, a... I'm putting an anchor on the blimp. <laughs> All right. Sometimes I go to the bottle shop. That's, that's because you're an alcoholic. Next question. One point for me. Woo! Yeah! No, 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 no. no, no. Uh, it's only 0.05. Oh. Uh... It... Wait. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Sometimes I go to the bottle shop, and I like to go and get beer. Now, I go into the big fridge out the back, mm-hmm. and I go and I try to find the cheapest beer. <laughs> because I'm <laughs> an, alcoholic. an alcoholic. I'm a cheap alcoholic. <laughs> you have a an cheap ex- drunk. You have an expensive wife. <laughs> uh, Sorry, so, Frog Princess. You're not, I'm, sure you're not, I'm sure you're cheap. That, wait. Nice. No, no. That, they didn't mean that. Okay. <laughs> so, rather than loiter at the scene of the accident... <laughs> 
pull up, man. So, so I, I want to choose my beer. Sometimes I'm in there for a little while mm-hmm. trying to choose my beer. And then I grab my carton of beer and I walk out of the fridge. Almost immediately, I can't see a thing. I'm wearing glasses. Oh, right, right. And they go completely opaque yes. with condensation. Right. Now, I want to know what the f*** is going on there and B, what could I theoretically do to stop it from happening? All right. All right. Okay. So what's happening to that is when you step into the cold room, you're cooling down, your clothes are cooling down, and your glasses are cooling down. So so let's say the room is 10 degrees Celsius, 15 degrees. You drop from the outside temperature of 25, 30 degrees, and they might not get as low as the area. In the end, they would, of course. The glasses are dropping down to to a low temperature. When you step back into the normal air, the air around, especially in Brisbane, yes. has a high humidity. Yes. Amount of, like 60 to 80%. Stupid environment. It's, it's Stupid subtropics. It's, it's pretty crazy. And so when you step out, what happens is the warm air in contact with the cold glass starts heating up the glass and therefore the air is cooling down and colder air can't hold as much moisture as hotter air. Why not? Good question. The hot air can hold more moisture little man in my brain starts running for information. Don't. You're not helping. You're not helping. The, um, why well, you seem to be answering the question really quickly. It's, it's warm air. Warm air holds more... Um, more, <laughs> more I, I, I can't think of the top of my head why at this point in time, but it does. It holds more. And you can tell that uh, because drier, colder air up high is... Well, colder air is normally high. Uh, now, the air can no longer contain the amount of water it has in it. The 30-degree air can no longer... It's no longer 30 degrees next to your glasses yes. so therefore the water's got to go somewhere it condenses you actually said the word condensation that's yes. exactly what happens and it condenses next to your cold glasses and blocks your vision so Co- your cold glasses which the, the so amount cold air can't contain as much moisture as, as warm as warm so air. it has to jump onto something and it either has um, to fall out of the sky yes. so, it, so it either falls to the ground but in your case where the, the, the cold is actually the glass itself yes. so therefore the little molecules of water which are floating in the air right next to your glasses right now as we yep. speak suddenly are a lot colder and condense into liquid water and bead on your glasses go yay and you get that's like a cold beer take a cold beer out of a fridge yes. and it's dry the moment you walk into our subtropical heat boom it's covered in water. The water didn't come from the inside of the bottle. Right. It came from the air around it, the condensed air around it. Okay, so... That's the first part of the question. Yes! I think it's right. God, I hope it's right. So, um, so second part. How would I stop it? How would you stop it? You would need... Oh, now, let me think. What's the term? The scientific term? You would need a material that does not... It's not the exact scientific term, unfortunately. That does not heat up as quickly. Now... You would need something that, that has... Ah, a thermal inertia. I think it's a term I'm looking for here. Thermal inertia. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, I've made up a really good Doctor Who scientific thing. <laughs> <laughs> but thermal... It, it sounds about right. Your glasses uh, need to be isomorphic. Yeah, it <laughs> doesn't mean anything at all. So, uh, think about this for a second. If, if, um, if you take two bits of metal, who, which have a different... Oh, it's not called... Is it thermal inertia? Oh, what's the term? It doesn't sound quite right to me, but it's something like that. If you get two bits of metal that heat up at different rates and you put them together, you get what's called a bimetallic strip, and you find them in, uh, in, in some sort of... Um, yeah, anything that has to stop... When it gets to a certain temperature, stop heating up. Now, in the old day, in the modern day, sorry, you get electronics that can work it out and, you know, and, and do it electronically. But in the old days, what would happen is they'd know that this metal, like the one on the left, if the two bits of metal are together, the one on the left expands faster 
off. So therefore, it bends the metal and becomes a switch. You've got this literally a bending switch. So when oh. it so when it when it gets too hot, it pulls away from the electrics and therefore no current flows. Therefore, oh, right. the oven switches off. It's called a biometallic strip. They still use them today, dimmers and things like that. So you would need something which does not heat up as much. I think that's thermal inertia. Glass obviously heats up quite quickly or changes temperature quite quickly. A ceramic, but you wouldn't be able to see through it. Ceramic. That's don't... not a that's not a great solution, no, is it? No, no, no. But yeah, I'm not too sure. So a plastic. So it would have to be some sort of plastic that has been designed to be transparent but retain its thermal equilibrium and not change quickly. So for the two minutes or three or four minutes or ten minutes, whatever, you were in the fridge getting your beers, yes. it would not cool down enough so that when you stepped back outside, there'd be a lot of thermal difference between your glasses and the outside world and therefore condensation wouldn't form. That's my guess. No. You couldn't laminate it with something? Oh, yeah, I suppose. You have to, you're trying to change the thermal properties of, of, the, of it. It'd be easy to make it easier. God, I'm just could you do something else, like, rather than changing the thermal properties, could you change the, you, could you change the properties that allow condensation to appear on it? Uh, I, well, con- it's just, as in it just streaks straight off make it ridiculously slippery to water or something. But you still, get, you still have water appearing and then just throw right. off your glasses. Or you what could you, heat them, couldn't you? Uh, no, no, the problem is... If you put a heater yes, in the glasses... Yes, that would work, that would work. It would be much easier. Or, of course, you just refrigerate the entire world to the level that you're, that you're at. Right. Yes, uh, that's the other one. Your, actually, yours is much easier. Your, your, I should have thought of that. You just have a little heater on your glasses so that your glasses are constantly kept warm to outside temperature. So you'd have to have a little sensor out in the outside world that says, it is now 30 degrees, it is now 30 degrees, it is now mm-hmm. 29 degrees, and, and sending information to your glasses, and, and a little heater switches on. That and, doesn't and sound you, expensive at all! No, and also, it's just easy just to rub your glasses on your coattails of our, of our sartorial splendour. Oh, well, that sounds pretty good. That sounds like, seems like a pretty good answer. It does! And I won't be surprised if it turns out to be right. But in which case you'll get quite a quite almost a whole point. Oh, but you, oh, you really did. You oh, really have no gl- way. You really have glossed over why it is that cold air can't contain. Th- that wasn't that wasn't that was not part of the original question. You added that later, sir. I I call foul. You asked the question. The you question could call foul. Qu- no 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 no. Before no no. I'm putting this forward. You said explain why condensation forms on your glasses yes. and how you would stop that. I answered the first question and I answered the second question. No, no, you no. then threw it a third one, which was well. So why does that but happen? See, it's no, no. all part of the same. No question, no no Greg. no. It's not. Because no. I, I want to know why. I'm going to go back. Happens. I want to know why it happens. Surely the fact that the, the major factor no, is that water doesn't get contained. I can, I can, I can, give me a go then. Give me a go. Go this on. Is, is this, how are you going to mess around with this ridiculousness? Fine. The hot air, hot air rises, hot air expands. Uh, there is more space for the water to sit into. The water is warmer and it has actually turned into a vapour. Because just remember, this is something people forget. If you have a puddle on the ground, this is a question I was going to ask you, by the yeah. way. But you don't have to go to 100 degrees to boil. Now, it is technically, that's what boiling is, turning into a gas but if you have a puddle on the ground it evaporates in 35 degree heat in the end like yeah. it doesn't actually boil but because the energy is enough so that those water molecules in the end do leap off the surface into the atmosphere and yes. it all goes away so hot air rising pulling away there is more space for the warmer water to actually energetically move off because anything that turns into a gas tends, uh, gets hotter hotter air moving more energetically becomes a gas therefore it can fit more inside it a cooler less motion of the molecules therefore it turns back into a liquid less can be held inside it boom thank you very much yeah that's an expression well why don't we find out whether that's right to wikipedia and we're back from wikipedia 
How do you go? I think I've hit it on the head. Good God, I've hit it on the head. The only thing that we didn't say, I didn't say, when you asked the second part of the question, not yep. the weird third part, we'll get onto that soon, but the second part about how you stopped it from happening when you stepped outside from the cold room into the warm. Yes. Of course, dehumidify, but you have to dehumidify yeah. well, you, the you, world. You did touch on that because you said it especially happens here in our tropical yes. climate where yes. it's very humid. That's right. Thus the implication being that if it was very dry, wouldn't be so much of a problem. Oh, you're being very nice to me. Now, most of the information we looked up of course tries to do it from the other way which is a cold outside going into a warm inside because most people live in the stupid parts of the world where it's ridiculously cold most of the time yes. and you have to go into a warm house to live that's madness by the way everyone anybody lives in northern hemisphere crazy that's, that's crazy think yeah. about it anyway that's sort of I'm sure the frog princess will disagree with you about how living in very hot climates is a great idea less people die thank you very much it's nice to say <laughs> Except for old people in the Mediterranean. But in fact, recently it was pointed out to me it's not actually whether it's cold or hot, it's the changes in the temperature. So if you live in very cold temperature, yep. it's fine. As long as no, it's not fine, as long as you look after yourself, but it's a sudden change. If it's always really cold and it suddenly goes really, really hot, death. If it's suddenly really, really hot, like here, and it just suddenly, like tonight, went down to negative 10 degrees, <laughs> lots of people would die. Not just, I'm not talking people caught out, you know, oh my god, it's negative 10. I just die of the shock. That's it. And pretty much your body just goes, ah! And there's not what to do, and, and you just die. It's not us. We're strong and healthy and virile. Leading to a third one. Now, te- as it's pointed out, technically, I disagree with this. It says that air cannot hold water vapor. You go, well, that's what rain is. Clouds are. So I disagree with the first part of the answer. No, no, rain's not, rain, rain's not air holding water vapor, but, oh, or, and neither is clouds. That's, it, that's water vapor sitting alongside air. But it's, it's still in the air. Well, it's in the air, but... It's in the air. That's what I'm trying to say, yes. But it's not, it's not saturating the air. No, if it's saturating the air, it would come out of the That's air. That's what humidity is. No, no, no. No, no, it's no difference. No. There's humidity in this room, and it's just water vapour just evaporated and wandering around the room. No, 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 no. No, not... Yes, 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 yes. No, because the air is, gets saturated with water. Mm. The water gas gets into the air. So mm. that's what humidity is. When you hit 100% humidity, then fog occurs. No, no, not true. Because the particles of no, water can't this, be absorbed. That's not true. There's a what? There's a thing called My grade 7 teacher is in so much trouble. There's a thing called dew point, and the dew point changes. So the dew point, for if, if the lower temp- the te- if the temperature of the air is lower, you, you don't have to get... If you, you can have the top... You can be going over into a valley... So you're driving along and you dip into a valley and it's much colder in the valley than it is where you are on the plateau. The colder air in the valley has a lower dew point. The fog in the air starts to condense out of the dew. We talk, we talk on, like, on the side of the glass yeah. and it floats in the air. It's just it's not raining. It's not as if it suddenly has hit the ground. But if you walk through fog, you get very wet and very cold very quickly mm-hmm. and get very, very sick. Uh, though that's not actually connected either, but anyway, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> but no, dew, point, dew point is a very important thing. Dew point changes with the temperature of the Air. Higher temperature leads to more evaporation. More, so we just looked up then. That's yes. the answer to your question, which I did actually say. Not didn't use the word evaporation. I must have. Oh no, I did. No, I did. I did. The warmer air has a higher dew point. Therefore, it, the water can just keep evaporating into the air. And I'm pretty damn clever, I think. So you got that? Can I claim 100 right? Even your little crazy sidewards one. So, you thought you'd catch me on. The only way that I could possibly not give you one oh. point <laughs> is. Just by being a dick. So unfortunately, I have to give you one point. Yeah, whole point. Yes, that leads us to three, three. But and that was you five and me on after five attempts on three points, and you're on oh, after four attempts, yeah. you're on three points. So the next oh. podcast will be quite interesting oh. because uh, oh. 
Yes. I'm going to have to you pick can still up lose. my game. You can still lose because there's negative points. We go to negative. That's true. We can go negative. So does it feel good having earned a point for the first time <laughs> yes. in about six months? I know. You have no idea how good this is because I count myself as the, the more formally trained out of the two of us. Yeah. I mean, you, you do know a lot, but, but I'm formally trained in science. Yes. So to get my ass handed to me every bloody time has been kind of... <laughs> but also, I'm much nicer than you. I realise that too. You will, you will take a point away for this crappiest oh, reasons. Oh, here where, we go with where the I excuses. hand out like Santa Claus my points. I just, I mean, that, that, that dog won't oh hunt, Monsignor. Oh my goodness. Maybe, maybe it's your formal training which is the problem. Maybe you're just a little bit too predictable. Ooh. A bit too easy to fool. It's true. It's true. Welcome to Smart Enough to Know History. I'm your host, Trinity Fair. Today we're taking a look at some fun facts for February 20. This day in 1967 saw the birth of grunge rocker Kurt Cobain. The musician tragically died in 1994 at his own hand. I'll never understand why Nirvana's music wasn't that bad. But it's okay, everyone. His wife, Courtney Love, is still going strong. On February 20, 1792, American President George Washington signed an act establishing the United States Postal Service. I pledge U.S. Post will always be delivered on time. And I cannot tell a lie. Or, Mr. President, I think your pantaloons just caught fire. On this day in 1673, England held its very first wine auction. No, oh, I don't even like Sauvignon Blanc. On this day in 1999, American film critic Gene Siskel died aged 53. Reviewers described his funeral as tightly paced with convincing special effects and a surprise twist ending. That's smart enough to know history for February 20. Walk up shame! Walk up shame! Okay, last podcast in the 8.5, I mm. discussed blood. Again, more blood. Yes. You love blood. I do like blood. You're like a blood man. I've got a taste for it. <laughs> and I mentioned that the only differences to blood types were O blood, you've got apparently slightly more chance of getting an ulcer. Oh, yes, yes. I and that. also the rhesus positive mm -hmm. had less effect from the toxoplasmosis virus. Yes, okay. That didn't sit well with me mm -hmm. because these things had to evolve mm -hmm. along with every other part of the body. One of the main reasons for evolution is that a certain evolutionary change will give benefit no, to an organism. No, doesn't give detriment. Doesn't give detriment. Yeah, you, that's, and that sounds odd. So if you have a, a mutation that has a benefit, like that happens, it may be linked to another... Freckles. There you go. What? Freckles don't have any sort of benefit. They might actually kill you, but... Uh, they're an odd little, little thing. Yes, that's that right. Occurs. Not everything has to have a, a benefit, no. Yeah. You, as long as it doesn't release, reduce your but chances But there's so many of, different of... types, of, like, variations of blood. Mm -hmm. Like, it seems odd that there would be no reason to have all these different variations and things change and have stronger blood types in one part of the world than another. Mm -hmm. And it didn't sit with me well, so I did a little bit more research, mm -hmm. and people have discovered other stuff about blood. There's uh, the Duffy blood type... 
that includes a receptor that allows certain types of malarial parasites to enter the red cell. So in malarial areas of Africa, populations of Duffy negative blood types have a distinct survival advantage because absence of the Duffy antigen provides a measure of protection against malaria. Oh, okay. There is some evidence, and take all this with a grain of salt, Mm. but there's some evidence that... There has been research done, you're trying to say here. Group O members are more susceptible than other blood type individuals to the agent that causes bubonic plague. (laughs) But group A people are more susceptible to smallpox virus. That's why we got rid of it years ago. So, because there are all these different levels of blood. O O negative is the most useful blood, Mm. but it's the one where you'll die the most by not being able to get a transfusion. Yes, you're right. But at the same time, there's a fairly large chunk of the population has it. Like, it's 9% has it. Yes. Is so it more people have O positive than any other blood type? No, no, no. I think there's one more that has more... Oh, okay. Really? I think so. I thought, I thought the O's were the po- big ones, and then everyone else was less than that. I think one... I think walk one of shame else. of the walk of shame. Yeah. <laughs> Statistical differences in the frequency of certain malignancies that correlate with the ABO blood groups. Uh, group A subjects have a t- 20% greater risk of developing cancer of the stomach than group O. Really? Whereas group O, greater risk of developing ulcers. But here's the interesting thing. Claims have been made that people from group A have the worst hangovers, O blood have the, wor- have the best teeth, and <laughs> group A2 have the highest IQs. A2? Yeah. I don't even know what an A2 is. I, 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 me. No, I, I don't know. That sounds ridiculous. Here we go. 49% of Australians have type O blood. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, I just looked it up on the internet. Dun, dun, dun. Well, that's a helpful tool to have. Yes, that's right. For a podcast like this. Oh, there you go. Mine's second. So O, o positive is 39%. A positive, which I am, comes in at 34%. And only 7% of the population is O negative. So it's quite oh, a low me. one. That's a very low one. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense, though, because that's that really... You're the, universe, yeah. sorry, you're the universal donor. Yes. Mm, so that's... Yes. So we've obviously drained you guys dry yep. many years in the past. In Japan, they actually use blood types like horoscopes. Oh, so if you're AB, then you've got a certain type of horoscopy type shenanigans. It's happening. no more ridiculous than basing it on what stars we're doing in the sky. Or, or actually, we've we've heard recently it's all wrong anyway. But well, not recently, but it's come in the news recently. It's all. I'd like to that. defend that one day no, on the podcast. Ru- rubbish. Yeah, I'd like to have a crack at that. It's rubbish. Astrology or or the new uh, astrology. Aficus. Astrology. I want to I want to have a crack at defending astrology. Uh huh. Right. It doesn't involve universal gravitation. If not, you can get a hell. Uh, it does. Uh-huh. Therefore, yeah, I can. We won't do it now then. Okay. <laughs> so yes, that's blood. That is blood. All wrapped up in a Yay! bag. So the song. I'm quite excited by this little song. It's quite a strange one, but it's. I liked it because when I was looking for these different songs, it was a link to all these different things I enjoy. Now, yep. uh, one of the best podcasts I listen to at the moment is Radio Lab. Oh, I love Radio Lab. Radio Lab. It's it's well produced. The presenters are interesting. They always have interesting guests. And a wonderful name, Jad Abamra. Jad Abamra. Adam, Jad Abamra. Adam, Adam Abamra. And, and um, Crowich. Yes, Robert Crowich. Robert Crowich. Thank you. So excellent. Robert Crowich sounds like the name of someone who stepped out of an eldritch forest. What's you know what's really weird is when My I name picture... is Robert Crowich. <laughs> I picked out of a story child. <laughs> Eat this. What? No. Uh, the and what's eat, funny is eat this. I don't know. That didn't. It can't, uh, eat this poison apple. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at. It sounded a bit weird. Not just they some look, sort of weird sexual. That's advance. what. I didn't want to say that. That wasn't what I was getting at. Now I feel weird because they're excellent. They look like how I thought they'd look. Listening to their voices, yeah. and I saw them on on the internet, and I went, "Oh, they look exactly." Especially Robert Crowlrich looks exactly how I thought he would look. I'm Jad Abram, a top hat. Jad Abram Rudd, not so much. Uh, but but Robert Crowlrich. Oh, there's Robert Crowlrich. 
I could pick Robert straight away. Ah, yeah. But anyway, if, if you like this podcast, you'll really like Radiolab. And yeah, you'll just stop listening to us. And like, Shh, don't say that, but go and listen to Radiolab. Anyway, in Radiolab, they talked to They Might Be Giants, who are a band I really like. Yeah. And they'd released an album called Here Comes Science, which is a great idea. Yes. Where they do songs about science. And in fact, as an educator, I've used some of their songs in classes. So for grade nine science, I've actually used it to, to introduce certain subjects. Yes. And to the kids' horror and disillusionment, because they think they thought they were going to get Keisha or someone, and they get they might be giants. I'm like, why is he really excited? But anyway, it was a good attempt. Because <laughs> uh, actually, they, had, they realized it wasn't just cool music. They had to learn something How from it. How do you it. pronounce a dollar sign? Ah, uh, got it. I think it's... Ki-ching! Ki-ching. Yeah. <laughs> is that... Oh. So you think it's two dollar signs is even worse, isn't it? No, it's just K E dollar sign H A. Oh, is it? Oh, there you go. I think there you have it. In fact, I even know she exists. Worries me. Anyway, I'm open to the universe. The point of this is, so you had Radio Lab and you talking to they might be giants, uh-huh. and Radio Lab said to them, you have to make up a song instantly, and what we want you to do is make up the song Quantum Decoupling Transition in a One Dimensional Feshback Resonant Superfluid, and they came up with what? It's 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 um it's the title of a of a scientific article from 2005. Say it again. Quantum decoupling transition. So quantum decoupling transition in a one-dimensional feshback resonant superfluid. How can you have a one-dimensional fluid? It's a very... It's, you have to look up the article. It's 2005. I can give you the article. They came up very quickly with a very quick a teaser, basically, of this song. They didn't actually yep. write the song. Now, this leads us to the next part. This gentleman, who we're going to listen to, his name is Jonathan Mann. And Jonathan Mann, in early 2009, decided yes. that he would write a song a day. That's, that's eager. For the rest of his life. Oh, my God. Not for a year. I thought it was for a year, but no, he's still doing it today, and I read an article with him, and he said until he's 80, like the rest of his life. He's only a young man. He's going to be doing it for the rest of his life. He's up to 400 and something, wow. I think. He's, and he writes a song well, a day. What, that's how Bay Might Be Giants got started. Is it? Yeah, they used to record a song every day, and they'd stick it on an answering machine, and in the paper there was always an ad saying, ring this for a free song. Oh, okay. So they would ring up every day and just listen to the answering machine message. I... There was a new song every day, and then they'd leave some sort of crazy message at the end. That's fantastic. I did not know that. Every day or every week. But it's it... a brilliant way to get good at writing songs. In fact, a brilliant way to get good at anything is just mm. do lots of it. So... There was once mm? an educator, an art person, who said, okay... You guys, you half the class, your job is to make the best pot ever. So spend all your time trying to create the one perfect pot. You'll be judged on how good the pot is. Mm-hmm. The other part of the class, make as many pots as you can. You'll be judged on the qu- quantity of pots that you make. The mm. more pots, the better the marks you get in the class. Yep. At the end of the year, the people who did more pots ended up with better quality jugs at the end of the year. Of course. No, it makes sense. Practice makes perfect, well, apparently. Also, isn't it the whole... I don't know how true this is. I have to look this up. But the whole concept of the 10,000 hours... If you yes. do something for 10,000 hours, then you become An proficient expert. at it. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's expert. I think it's proficient. I think there's a difference there. You may not be the top of your field, but you become... If you do 10,000 hours of playing a guitar... I've heard it's exit. Is, is, expert. Oh, expert. Okay, well, there you go. I stand corrected. Now, this gentleman, Jonathan Mann... Now, we've been doing podcasting for all of about 18 hours. And, and, and it shows. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jonathan Mann, the person we're talking about, Jonathan Mann decided to write the song a day, and one of his, what he decided was to take the initial kernel idea from They Might Be Giants, that's yep. in the title, just the title, and he'd write it in, in full song. And what he decided to do was take the actual report that was based on, the 2005 scientific report, yes. and ba- make a song out of the abstract... So explaining what it's all about. Okay. And that's what you're going to be listening to now. Quantum decoupling transition in a one-dimensional feshbach resonant superfluid. Quantum decoupling transition in a one-dimensional feshbach resonant superfluid. We study a one. 
one-dimensional gas, a fermionic atoms, interacting the NS with molecular fleshbot resonance. And at low energies, the system is characterized by two Joseph's sun coupled liquids, corresponding to paired atomic and molecular superfluids. Quantum decoupling, transition, in a one-dimensional fishbach resonance superfluid We show that in contrast to higher dimensions The system exhibits a quantum phase transition From a phase in which the two superfluids are locked together To one in which a low-energy quantum fluctuation suppress the fishbach resonance Josephson coupling effectively decoupling The molecular atomic superfluids of this quantum transition include the appearance of an out-of-phase gapless mode in addition to the standard gapless in-phase mode in the spectrum of the decoupled superfluid phase and the discontinuous change in the molecular momentum distribution function So, what do you think? Quantum decoupling, transition, in a one-dimensional feshback, resonant superfluid. Um, you're, you're so full of hate. The, the, <laughs> I, the good thing about that song is that it shows just how much music can possibly exist on planet Earth. Yes. You could just mix up a whole bunch of random words and notes, and that's a song. Like, it's like an, almost an infinite amount of songs... And that is one of them. But no, hang on, you. So I'm going to fight you on this one because you always kind of go, "Oh, well, Greg, you gave me this song, but I don't find it that catchy." That's catchy. Is it? I, I, it is because I, I I've been listening for a couple of days. I'll be in the shower. And I go quantum decoupling. You couldn't even remember the chorus. I remember the first bit. Quantum decoupling transition. You know, then I get really confused. But it, it, you get, da, 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 da. it's quite catchy. You got to yeah. give it that. It's a catchy song. And yes, they've taken a very dry bit of science, but he's actually made it kind of catchy. It's like it's da 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 da, da ba, ba, ba. But it's a pop song for science. I I don't know whether <sighs> catchy for you means it's a catchy song. That you're well, just... I'm sorry. I'm a human being, and I found something catchy. I didn't realise I was outside the human condition. I I think everyone else did. <laughs> I like it, Jonathan Mann. Thank you very much. Thank you. What Dan says, he's a hater. Haters, haters got to hate. Haters got to hate. <laughs> oh, you have been listening to episode 9.0 which was like Smart the, Enough to Know Better. Which is one of the angriest episodes ever. Is it? Well, as in, as in we argued about the music and we yeah. argued about the interview with, yeah. with Yamo Puskala. Mm. Uh, um, yes, but you know, that's okay. You, um, know, you, you know why? Why's that? Wasn't prime. Why's that? <gasps> Nine is a good point. Yes, yeah. it's not a prime one. You're right. It's an odd 
non-prime and number. That's crazy. That will is sure yeah. to make yeah. everyone angry. That's of course it will. If you're if you're angry about that because it's prime, get in contact with us. And you know where to get in contact with us? Tell them, Dan. Uh, Dan at smartenough.org. Or Greg at smartenough.org. Or go to the forums. Good God, man, it's safe. We've got rid of the terrible porn people and the whatever. Vibe now you can change the font. <gasps> It's beautiful now. It's, yes. it's like a, it's get like in a, there and have a debate about what superhero could save Brisbane from the floods. Indeed, get involved, ladies and gentlemen. We're here for you. I was trying to organise some sort of trying to get people behind us, you know, like like nationalism. Yeah, mm. I like that. Mm. Get the blimp out. Put a big, big insignia on the side. That's right. Some sort of red and black thing. Um. In an iron sky. This could go badly. I think no, we'll be the first line of defence. <gasps> Oh my god, we should get onto them immediately! A blimp above Brisbane, just with guns firing wildly at the, at the UFOs that come flying in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the Nazis tried to use blimps as warships. And it all went perfectly. Perfectly. Yeah, except that blimps, pretty easy to hit. But the, the, the one that did blow up, well, actually, quite a few of them blew up. But Lots uh, of them blew up. In World Most War, of them blew up. World War I, they were very useful because no one else could shoot that high. So they still have a storm and break in half, and then you go plummeting up to 37,000 feet, and then you go plummeting down again. Yeah. And of course, the Hindenburg crashed and blew up, but that was on U- American soil. Conspiracy? Probably not. But, you know, hmm. Ah, if I make lots of noises at the end, this is ending. End it. Just fade this. Hopefully, I'm fading out right now. Hopefully, you're nice. not actually listening to me wrap it on. I know. I'll, I'll just fade you out. Good. Let's keep, that's good. Help fading me. you out. I don't actually have the technical note. I'm so just getting quiet. Really quiet. I'm just stepping away from the microphone. Yes. And also saying Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Nothing. Right, no, wait. Dan Beeston and... Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough Gregoire. to know better. Yes. 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 That one. <laughs> okay. And... Try that again. You don't have to do for saying your own catch cry. Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Well done. Well, it was my New Year's resolution. Oh! oh! Actually, I'm going to high-five you for that one. Really? Yeah. And also, when you have lows, low pressures and things like that, uh, warm air and stuff, that made no sense. That's, that's a whole different thing. Forget that for a moment. Okay. Right, talking about temperature. I wasn't really listening anyway. <laughs> He's still seething about iron sky. Mm.